I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Monday, May 16th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, the Guardians dropped a uh, chance to pick up the series win there in Minnesota on Sunday. Tristan McKenzie gave them, what, seven you know, good, strong innings, and uh, they, they could only muster one run. Uh, McKenzie made a couple of mistakes, two, two home runs uh, given up. And the Guardians go on to lose three to one. Uh, but overall, just, uh, you know, kind of a frustrating series uh, in, in Minnesota. Uh, if you take into account the fact that uh, Terry Francona wasn't there and they were, you know, playing with uh, an interim man, an acting manager in Carl Willis and uh, most of the coaching staff uh, still back in Cleveland uh, dealing with COVID protocols. Yeah, Joe, it was uh, was a uh, series where, you know, McKenzie, like you said, Pitt, I thought he had one of his better starts, you know, seven innings, three runs allowed, four hit, four strikeouts, two, two walks. He gave up a couple solo home runs and those really hurt him. Uh, You know, one to uh, one to um, to Byron Buxton and another to uh, Gio Urshela. But, uh, you know, as usual, the Guardians came right, you know, had a chance to kind of pull it out in the ninth you know Ahmed Rosario doubles and uh, you know brings a tying run to the plate they just couldn't get it done yeah and and that's a, a theme that we've seen over the last couple of weeks here uh, particularly in this past week on the road uh, the Guardians always seem to get the the tying run at least to the plate or or have a chance they're late in the game when they fall behind uh, we saw them pull off an amazing rally on Monday of, of last week against the White Sox and, and really just that never say die attitude. It's making uh, a team that doesn't really have any superstars besides maybe Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber. Uh, the, it's making them ultimately a, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, they really kind of uh, are, you know, they're, they're a surprising team. They're really gritty. They, uh, you know, they don't stop playing even, uh, you know, Friday night, they, they're getting blown out 11 to two. Um, you know, the twins had that big nine run inning uh, and uh, against uh, Savali and, and Brian Shaw. But, you know, they keep coming back and, uh, you know, in, in the ninth, uh, Andres Jimenez hits a two run homer and, 
And then all of a sudden it's 12 to eight instead of 11 to two, you know? So they really, you know, they've, they've really, I didn't think that this was this, when you looked at this offense on paper at the start of the season, I just didn't think they would have the ability to uh, score late, come back and, and, and win games. Yeah. The, the offense is, it is one of the, the big storylines uh, of the early part of the season here is their, their ability to uh, hit late in games, uh, which is, which is tough for a young ball club. And you, you mentioned one of the guys there on Andres Jimenez, who's, who's been a, uh, a revelation basically uh, over last year, I think with Jimenez and, and Owen Miller really coming into their own over the first part of this, uh, this season, it's answered a lot of questions that, that we had coming out of spring training about where hits, where runs would come from in, in the bottom part of this lineup. Yeah. And uh, you know, they just, uh, they, you know, all those young guys, uh, Quan and uh, you know, Straw and, and like you were saying, Jimenez and, and Miller, all, they, they all have, uh, you know, kind of come through when, when, when most needed, you know, and, and uh, you, if you look at the two wins on the trip, they were both in extra innings, you know, and, and that's hard to do on the road, especially when in the era of the automatic runner. All right. Uh, we, we talked about uh, Tristan McKenzie and his uh, sort of uh, surge here in, in the month of May, you know, three really good starts in the month of May so far. Uh, what has been the difference? I, I think the difference has been just the, the walks he's, he's last year at this time, he had through seven, through seven uh, appearances last year, he had 25 walks. He was leading, leading baseball in walks before they sent him down to Columbus. Uh, now he's, he's very stingy with the walks and, and, not just the walks, but the, the opposing batting average as well. Yeah. I mean, even last year during his struggles, Joe, they didn't hit him. You know, I, I think what do you have like a, like a two twenty bat? I don't even know if it was 200 a batting average against. I mean, it was, it was remarkable for as many walks as he gave up and he's doing the same thing this year. Uh, you know, Luke Maley caught him uh, Sunday and said, you know, that he really challenges people with his fastball and, uh, you know, people, you know, they kind of they gear up to hit that fastball and he goes, but most of the time they're, they're popping it up or missing it. So, you know, I think he's, he's not afraid to throw that. We saw that, you know, last year and we're seeing it again this year. And I think, you know, he's using his other pitches to their best advantage. Now on the, uh, on the flip side of that, uh, we've seen Aaron Savali struggle uh, and, you know, he'll, he'll have a, a, a nice outing here or there. He, he, he pitched a nice game. Uh, against Toronto, and we thought maybe he was turning a corner, uh, but then he goes out. Uh, I believe he pitched twice on this road trip, and uh, you know both times got knocked around a little bit. And uh, you know what's what's I guess next for Aaron Savali is as they try to get him right. You know, that's a great point, Joe. I, I don't know. I don't know what you know. Uh, you know what's next. Um, you know the first. You know. In his start against the Twins, you know, he's coming off a good start against Toronto where, you know, he got his first win of the season. He thought he, you know, found some some stuff where he could build off of. And uh, the first inning, he gives up a home run, leadoff home run to Buxton. Lead, and then, uh, you know, one batter later, Jorge Polanco goes deep, you know, and he ends up having to pitch out of trouble in the first inning. And, you know, it was kind of a bobsled ride to hell after that. Four and two-thirds seven hits, six runs allowed, 
you know, and, and uh, the Guardians lose 12 to 8. And, uh, you know, we've just seen much too much of that. The opposition is hitting like 330 against them. Um, you know, I, I don't know. If, is this a guy that needed the full six to seven weeks of spring training? You know, Carl Wills was saying, you know, some, you know, during that, that time when you make, you know, in spring training, you go, pitchers go through a dead arm period. Is that what Savali is going through now, you know, and, and just pitching his way out of it? Yeah, I, I think it would be real easy and, and nice and convenient if, if it was something mechanical uh, that's wrong or something physical that's wrong with Aaron Savali. I think right now it's just execution. Uh, he's, he's not, he's getting, the pitches are, are looking and, and shaping the way that they're supposed to. He's, he's not, not getting the, the movement or, uh, you know, the, the sort of design of his pitches that he's looking for. He's just not executing in, in certain situations. And that's not something we're used to seeing out of Aaron Savali, who, since he's come up, has been a guy who relies on his command. And, you know, I've, I've uh, been going back and forth with our subtexters, our subscribers on, uh, on cleveland.com slash subtext uh, and, and just uh, sort of drawing comparisons between Savali and Josh Tomlin, you know, a, a guy who pitched for a long time in Cleveland and pitched effectively at times and pitched really effectively during stretches, but then would go through, you know, bouts of you know, where he'd, had, he'd have trouble executing or he'd give up a, a bunch of home runs. And we're seeing that now. Aaron Savali, I think, is one of the, the league leaders in, in home runs allowed. Uh, it, what do you think of the comparison between Savali and, and Tomlin and, and where do you think it could go from there? Yeah. You know, I think uh, probably, you know, Tomlin was one of those guys that had to prove himself at every level. You know, it, it was either in the bullpen or, or as a starter, you know, he really had to work his way through the system. You know, I think Savali had a much a rap, a more rapid rise through the system. But, you know, he got his break because of injuries, too, in, what, the 2019 season when, you know, they lost right. Kluber and, and Clevenger and, and uh, you know, and Carrasco. So, you know, he hit the door open for him and he took advantage of it. Um, and I think, uh, you know, so I think in, in that way they're different. But in 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 the other comparison, I think you're, you're talking about two guys that kind of say – throwing the same velocity range, Joe. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, they're vulnerable uh, to, uh, to the home run. Yeah. And uh, you know, they both sort of rely on that command and control uh, to, to get them through and, and sort of out pitching. I think one of the points that we raised when we were talking before we started uh, recording here is uh, you know, Savali sort of relies on the, the sort of mental approach and, uh, you know, maybe outsmarting hitters in, in a way. And, and Tomlin was a guy who went out there with a lot of guts and heart and just pitched his heart out for you. And he was, they're both very easy guys to get behind and, and sort of cheer for. Uh, but in the end, uh, you know, ultimately Tomlin flamed out. It, it, there were, there were injury concerns. There was just a, a lack of effectiveness and, uh, you know, he bounced back and forth between the bullpen and the rotation because of that. Uh, that as much as you, you, you liked the guy, uh, you lost faith in his ability to get guys out at, at certain times. Yeah. You know, he would, he, he was a guy that he would always take the ball. You know, he was, he was always ready to take the ball. I remember in Toronto when they played that 18, 19 inning game, when uh, Santana won it with a, you know, home run and 
uh, finally in the 18th or 19th inning when Bauer was, uh, you know, was supposed to pitch. He came in and pitched six or se- five or six innings for the win. And I think uh, um, <laughs> Tomlin had pitched the day before and uh, he came, but when uh, the game went into extra innings, he got his spikes on and he was sitting next to uh, Tito and said, I'm ready. And then Tito goes, sit down. <laughs> but, you know, he was that kind of guy. He's, you know, he was that kind of guy, that guy, you know, the guy you really pull for. I think, you know, you know, and he, he was, he was really, you know, he would challenge hitters. And I think, you know, you, when you think of uh, Savali, I think he challenges hitters, but he's got six or seven different pitches. So he's, he's kind of, he's thinking out there all the time. Right. Well, uh, you know, maybe, that maybe it's off base, maybe it's not. We'll, uh, we'll see what, uh, what the folks, uh, I, I, I've been really interested in seeing the responses of some of these, the, the fans had a love hate relationship with Josh Tomlin at the end and, you know, sort of the, the groans when, when yeah. you check into a game, uh, you haven't seen that really uh, as much with Savali, but, uh, we'll, we'll see where things go. Uh, so just to wrap up the, uh, the series in Minnesota, just to, to look at those, those three games. I mean, this is a team that right now is, is in first place in the division. Uh, how close and how far away do you think the, uh, the guardians are right now, uh, with the twins, uh, you know, as they, they have 16 more games against them this year. Yeah, I think, I think they're pretty close, Joe. I don't think there's a big gap there. I think, you know, I, I was impressed, uh, by the way, Joe Ryan has pitched. They still haven't figured this guy out. You know, uh, you know he's got like a 095 ERA against uh, Cleveland in three three career starts. So they're going to have to figure that figure him out. Uh, you know, and uh, but I think uh, Sonny Gray, you know, he pitched okay against 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 uh, the Guardians. But you know, I think they were on him. Uh, and but and but I think uh, you know that. They have problem, you know. I'd, I'd like to see the Twins team when they get Sano back, when they get uh, Correa back. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not dealing with a full deck yet. And, and when they do, I think that's going to be they're going to be a load. And they've got the, the, who was a kid and that, that was throwing 103 miles an hour out of the bullpen for him, uh, Johan uh, Duran. Mm-hmm. Did you see him? I mean, hundred. He's, yeah. he's thrown 103 miles an hour in the ninth inning. So, you know, it, I was thinking about okay, you know, uh, Cleveland finds uh, Sava, uh, Cleveland Class finds a. Uh, Class A, and all of a sudden, the, the Twins go out and find an, a guy to, that's, that that's, to match him, and he throws harder than him. Throws harder. So than it's going to be an interesting uh, rivalry. Yeah, it should be fun to fun to watch, and especially how uh, Carlos Correa will change that offense when they come to Cleveland if he's if he's back and healthy at that time. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Speaking of coming to Cleveland, the Guardians will host the Reds in a uh, two-game series beginning Tuesday night at Progressive Field. Uh, the Reds coming off of... Uh, Quite the interesting outing on Sunday uh, against Pittsburgh. Uh, got uh, got a no hitter from their outstanding rookie Hunter Green. Uh, he, but it's 
technically not a no hitter because he only pitched eight innings and the Reds couldn't score any runs and wound up losing one to nothing. Yeah. And, uh, What what else can go wrong with the Reds this year? <laughs> Poor David Bell. Come on, he he gets a no hitter from his from his rookie pitcher and he can't win a game. Mm-hmm. Well, last year uh, the the Guardians were no uh, um, you know strangers to being no hit. Uh, it happened. The the Reds no hit them at Progressive Field. Uh, happened what three four times during the season, and uh, this is just unique. Now that the shoe is sort of on the other foot, I wonder if. Uh, if Terry Francona has any advice for, uh, you know, coming off, it, it's just, it, it's a totally different feeling. You, you actually threw, uh, you know, eight no hit innings and you still lost the game because uh, I believe in the one inning, he, he walked the bases loaded and gave up a, a fielder's choice ground out uh, to uh, score a run. So yeah, I, it, it's just interesting. This, this is a Reds team that can't seem to get out of its own way. And they were playing better this week, Joe. They they won, you know. I think they won four or five games, but uh, they have they're they're really struggling. They're off to a tough start. Uh, ownership, you know, like uh, parted ways with a lot of their veterans, including Wade Miley, who threw the no hitter against uh, Cleveland last year, and they're kind of paying the price for it right now. Uh, and speaking of no hitters, you know, getting no hit and win winning games. I, I covered the Indians when they did that on April 12th, 1992 Mm -hmm. against uh, the Red Sox and Matt Young at the old ballpark. That was at the, at municipal stadium. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first game of a doubleheader. So that was two errors and a, and a ground out or what was the, uh... yeah, two errors and a ground out. They, they, and they end up winning the Indians scored uh, two runs on uh, uh, error and a ground out. And uh, they end up um, young walk seven guys but and they end up winning the game two to one. But like that the, earlier that year, the, at the start of the '92 season, uh, the commissioner um, changed the, the rules that said a no hitter won't be recognized unless unless it goes at least nine innings. Well, and that's the rule that sort of worked against uh, the the the, uh, the Tampa Bay last season, and and Madison Bumgarner also. Uh, they both pitched what, seven-inning no-hitters as part of double-headers, and uh, they were recognized as notable achievements and not uh, legitimate no-hitters. You know, what what more can you do if they don't let you go out for uh, two more innings? That's sort of ridiculous. But Yeah, the the commissioner was Faye Vincent at that time. Yeah, very interesting. All right. Uh, We're we're getting to, uh, you know, this, this red series, the 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 first time the Reds are going to be in town this year, the only time the Reds are going to be in town this year. Uh, every time uh, Cincinnati comes to town, David Bell comes to town, I think of uh, Buddy Bell and his relationship with uh, with Terry Francona. I saw a, a post uh, online. It was a, a, t- a Texas blog, and, they, and the, the writer was, was sort of stumping for and pushing for Buddy Bell as maybe a dark horse candidate for uh, the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, Buddy Bell... 2,500 hits, 1,100 RBIs, didn't really hit her a lot of power, only had about 200-some home runs in his career, 18 seasons, though, and he was an elite third-base defender. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Do you think Buddy Bell deserves at least a look by one of these era committees as a, as a, a Hall of Fame candidate? I mean, he fell off the ballot in, in his first year of uh, – after his first year of candidacy because he didn't get the 5%, sort of like Kenny Lofton. Yeah. 
yeah, I, you know, I love Buddy Bell. He was one of my favorite players in, you know, um, uh, you know, when I, I, when I first started watching the Indians, well, I, you know, when I, I, I was, I mean, I, I didn't cover Buddy, I don't think, but I, I think, uh, you know, I covered him with when he went to Texas and stuff like that and remember him as a manager and all that. But yeah, yeah. And he was a bench coach here in, mm-hmm. in 95 when they went to the World Series. So he's a great guy. Uh, I think he should get some consistency. Uh, definite consideration he could play the heck out of third base I know that he's a good you know he, he was a di- good hitter um, you know and he played he played a long time Joe I mean yeah. uh, it would be nice to get some consideration for 18 sure. years and and you know he sort of gets penalized by the his contemporaries at the position I mean Buddy Bell was not Mike Schmidt Mike Schmidt and when you think of a third baseman and in, in his in that era that's who you think of uh, but Buddy Bell had 2,500 hits. I, I mean, that's that's one or two seasons more, uh, or two or three seasons more of uh, that level, and you're talking 3,000 hits, and then he's a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and and he he didn't have uh, the luxury of playing on a lot of great teams. He he well, was he was the star on on a lot of those and a lot of very you know teams that were mo- mediocre to bad. And I don't think he really had. He never got into the postseason, right? I, I don't think right. he ever played in a postseason game. Yeah, he's he's I, I believe he's got uh, like the fifth highest WAR out of any you know maybe the seventh highest WAR out of any player that that didn't ever play in a postseason game. And I, I think that also, you know, hurt him, but you know, how do you control that? That's, that's not yeah. something that you can really uh, have, have a lot of control over. Uh, I don't know. I just, just a thought to, to raise and boy, I'd, I'd, I'd love to raise it with Tito and I hope I get the, uh, the chance to pregame it at some point this week, but you know, who knows when, when we're going to get to see the man, uh, if we're going to get to see the man face to face anytime soon. Yeah, I would, I would think, some of those coaches would start, you know, passing protocols and, and coming, you know, rejoining the team, but it's going to, I think it's going to take a while, Joe. I mean, you know, Rocco Baldelli, the twins manager, you know, tested positive and he missed what five to six games, right. You know, Tito, what has missed, uh, you know, missed like three. four or five days. Yeah. Three games in, uh, in Minneapolis. So we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, he's feeling better and gets back as, as quickly as possible. Yeah. I think the reports were that he was feeling pretty good and it's just a matter of now getting through the protocols before he can get back. So uh, hoping to see that take place at some point uh, this week. All right, Hoinsey, uh, we'll be back with you again tomorrow to, to preview that red series and to look ahead uh, to the remainder of the week. Uh, we'll talk to you then on the Cleveland baseball talk podcast. All right, Joe. 